welcome to the Imbalance podcast series, hosted by Brady Technologies, your guide to short-term power markets in Europe and beyond. Welcome everyone to the Brady End of Year podcast with myself, Chris Regan, and my colleague, Murray. Hello, Murray. Afternoon, Chris can't believe it's December already. I know, and I believe you've got the Edinburgh Brady Christmas party tonight. We do, and some um, snow this morning just to, to welcome all the visitors from London. Lovely. We've uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't make it up to Edinburgh this year. We've got the London Christmas party next week, right in the middle of the rail strikes that are planned, so that'll be quite interesting. We had ice this morning, where I am in Surrey, Murray, but not, not snow like in Edinburgh. Yeah, winter has Excellent. Died. So... It has indeed a little bit of uh, Game of Thrones there. So for the end of year, we just thought we'd reflect on the year. So myself and Murray are going to delight our listeners with our Brady energy interpretation of the 12 energy days of Christmas. Are you ready, Murray? I'm ready. Thankfully not. I hope we're not going to sing here, Cresta. I'm not. I'm not. But um, if you if your Christmas party drinks start too early, I can imagine. <laughs> right. January. January, I'm going to start with an article in The Guardian, which was a report on the quote from the International Energy Authority, the IEA, which said global surge in electricity use could bring three more years of volatility. And so I particularly like that story to start on because it pretty much predicted the rest of the year. So the agency said the steepest ever increase in energy electricity demand last year, which triggered blackouts in some major economies, is going to be historic, but it could lead to another three years of volatility, causing sharp spikes in electricity and hardships for many households. And that was IEA's executive director, Faith Viral. So um, very well done, Faith. I think that uh, she predicted 2022 very well. What do you think, Murray? Yeah, I wonder if she's put the lot, she put some numbers on the lottery as well that week because that's um that was a fantastic prediction of what was going to happen. Perfect. So thank you, The Guardian, for our January story in day one or month one of the twelve months of energy Christmas. Murray, talk to me about February. I'm going. To, yeah, in February, it's following along a similar theme to what you mentioned in in January. But it's the dreaded word now, which is energy price cap. And I think if we look back to February, it was a phrase which not that many of the population were familiar with when the energy price cap, which was introduced in sort of 2018, was sitting around about 1200 um, I think it was about £1,900, the most that anybody was likely to pay for energy, but an average of around 1200 But what we've we seen since then, it's just gone, things have gone absolutely crazy where to the stage where the government have had to step in and freeze that energy price cap at 2500 when it should be round about 3500 In fact, I was looking back at some of the numbers on this this morning and um, Corn, our friends at Cornwall Energy were saying that had the government not intervened when, when they did do, there was a chance that the price could have gone up to nearly £4,500, which, um, given everything wow. else that's happening in the minute, is frightening yeah so february was all about energy price cap and things just starting to tick upwards so february we first had the outlook from january it's going to get volatile and february we started seeing the price cap helping people but historically very high prices certainly 2022 didn't get off of a smile did it Murray? certainly not not at all 
So, March. What joy can we have from March? Well, the story I found on March was my favourite, was titled MP Seek Answers on Bulb Hedging Ban Costing Taxpayers Billions, which I think is a great one. So, so Bayes has written to the business secretary, Kwasi Kartang, asking him if the government ignored advice from energy experts that would have allowed nationalised energy firm Bulb to hedge the cost of fuel. So given that I was approached by a number of people from the press and asked to quote and give inputs into what was going on at Bulb, knowing that for some reason, Kwasi and all of his gang thought hedging shouldn't happen and it was risk increasing, probably wants to look in the dictionary and work out what hedging means, i.e. risk reduction. They didn't hedge. There was reports it was going to cost every single household £100 back then. I believe it's up to 200 now. So we've gone, unfortunately, from the first day or the first month of the, the news that volatility is going to come, Murray's story that the price cap is in, and then unfortunately, quasi not do, allowing any hedging of bulb, leading to taxpayers paying billions. I'm sure he did a lot better in his next job though, Murray. What do you think? Yeah, for about the week that he was there. Yeah, <laughs> before, <laughs> before things took a turn south. <laughs> indeedy, indeedy. Well done, not. Yeah. Murray, back to you. Yeah, back to me for April. I'm going to take things in a slightly different direction now and look at some positive changes that are happening on the energy market. Well, at least if if you're a consumer in the Nordic region, where there's going to be a massive market change coming in in mid-2023, which is the change away from the hour-long imbalance settlement period down to the quarter-hour imbalance settlement period which is great for consumers because it ties the Nordic region back in or more in with the rest of Europe, which is important given all the increased interconnectivity between the Nordics and continental Europe. But it's also a really exciting time if you're a trader in the Nordics. So you're not just going to have that opportunity to balance your position off once an hour and do some trading, maybe once or twice per hour. You're going to have to do that every 15 minutes which makes things really exciting, really dynamic, and probably increases the need for a more sort of 24-7 style operation, similar to what we see in, see in the UK. So there's some really interesting things happening in the Nordics at the minute. You've got that, the imbalance settlement thing. We've also got some, some changes in their reserve market bidding, particularly MFRR, which is the very last way people have of adding value to their portfolios. Again, that market's becoming more tied up with um, with Europe through Project Mari. And we're, um, we're seeing that a number of changes taking place to make it a more modern and dynamic reserve contract that the TSO can call on. And that's why our, um, our colleagues in the Halden team who, who work on our EDM product at Brady, they've been doing some fantastic work this year preparing for this 15-minute imbalance settlement periods and also ready to go for this new form of MFRR bidding once the testing starts early in 2023. So some great work being going on there. So nice to change the story from something that would be negative about energy back to something positive. Thank you so much, Murray. So April, we start seeing some, some rays of sunshine in the market. So my next story after April is May, our fifth story. And very related to what Murray said, we have huge changes in the Nordic market, moving from hourly to 15 minutely. And we've got much more complexity coming in in an ancillary service called MFRR. So our most forward thinking customer 
of Brady products in Norway, Agda, went live with our brand new multi-tenanted SaaS product, PowerDesk. So they are now able to trade hourly or 15 minutely, swap between position views. They're able to automate their MFRR process to automatically change the volumes that they bid into, depending on whether they've rehedged their assets. They're able to trade with patented quick trade directly into Norpool's intraday markets. And they've got that huge live position view that allows them to really manage their risk. So thank you very much to the Agda team there going live with PowerDesk in the Nordic region in readiness for all those market changes and being so forward thinking. And you were heavily involved in that project, Murray. So was it an exciting time in the Nordics to go live? It was a really exciting time. It's, um, I think any time you launch a new, a new product, um, like we did with PowerDesk, in a, in a new um, market, it's always exciting just to see the feedback and seeing you know the response and the enthusiasm from the team at Agda. When now that the system's live and the positive feedback we're getting, it's um, yeah, it's been really exciting. Perfect. Well done. So I'm going to take a few here. My my next story. We're in the middle of the year, June, and so in June, in the GB, we see warm weather finally. Winter is definitely gone. We see high gas prices, though, lots of nervousness about war, lots of nervousness about gas supplies even then, lots of people filling up the storage. And this had a really interesting knock-on effect because when you've got these high gas prices and you've got the high renewables of wind and solar, you end up with the system being low in inertia and the cost of, say, scheduling on a gas CCGT to help with physical spinning Inertia on the system is very expensive. So what we ended up seeing is the launch of a new product for what I call synthetic inertia called Dynamic Reserve, complementing the already live dynamic containment. And we saw a huge uptick in the value of ancillary services to batteries operating in the GB, with some very high prices being paid by National Grid to get that inertia on the system for grid stability when the alternative of scheduling on a CCGT got so expensive, batteries picked up the uh, the, the uh, slack and helped the GB maintain a stable, significant system with battery optimization through ancillary services, DC and DR. Great for the battery owners who made lots of money there, but really showing the value of that technology choice that the GB's done so well and accelerating. So June for me was Battery Ancillary Service Month. Yeah, I think it was a good and interesting time around June, Chris, because that's when we really started to see the knock-on effects of what was happening in, in Ukraine. So yeah, nice to see that um, with GB being ahead and ahead of the game with batteries that um, we're able to manage some of the the issues that were arising due to the high the high gas prices. Definitely, and I'll do I'll do a final one before I pass back to Murray for a while. We also had a customer go live on PowerDesk in the GB in July. So July for me is Falk goes live on PowerDesk month, where responding to that volatility, PowerDesk was delivered into Falk Renewables. They're an Italian firm who operate their own and others' people's renewable plants and retrade the output across Europe, but they have a strong presence in the GB. So our friend Simone went live with PowerDesk there, and he has the ability to improve his auction process and to make sure he reduces his cost of rebalancing in those volatile times. So in response to those volatile prices, we got PowerDesk live in the GB market in July. So July for me is second big PowerDesk go live. So well done to the team.
Now back to you, Murray. Hopefully some, some more happy stories. I'd love to say yeah, I'm going to continue with some, but um, sadly not. And in, in, for August, we're going back to our, um, th- that bulb story that we briefly touched on in, in February, in March. So again, with these rising wholesale prices that we, we saw in across summer, I think everybody was aware of that. It was heavily reported. So the bulb, um, how much it was going to cost the taxpayer, as you mentioned, Chris, in March, it was looking looking at £100 per taxpayer. By August, this was up to £150, and it's now grown again. And one thing I didn't realise until I looked at, re, did some research was that bulb's actually been the biggest state buyout since RBS. But actually, what it's resulted in is actually an awful lot of questions. So things like, is this down to bad regulation within the GB market? Should the regulator have been doing more? Not just man- looking at what bulk were doing, but all the other suppliers who went bust at the back end of 2021. Was it just bad luck? You know, the government took bulb, but when the government took bulb on, gas was sitting about 200 pence a therm. Within weeks, that had gone to 550 pence per therm. That goes back to your story about the hedging strategy again. Or really, was it just bad government policy when they should have really allowed more hedging? I think think we all now know the answer to that, that was that really they should have done more hedging early as soon as they took over. Yeah, I think for me, hedging is is the key. Number one, the bulb business model was to reprice frequently and then hedge short term to cover it which, which is great but when the market prices go up so quickly that they exceed the cap for the period you're in cannot charge the customer above the cap even though the cost of wholesale power had rocketed so it, to me it was a lag effect that their um, strategy was fine unless there was huge amounts of volatility and differentials between the last quarter when price caps were set and the current quarter where you're repricing to to customers some form of hedging would help but having worked at a utility that looked at this um, quite heavily with uh, Ofgem's very interesting secure and promote that they did about a decade ago small companies like bulb do not hedge forward why do they not hedge forward because they've got no bank balance why have they got no bank balance because they're taking a gamble that prices will move in the right direction so they can price cheaply if they don't hedge when prices move they go under and it costs all of the people who didn't switch to bulb 200 pounds a year to bail out the company that had an unfortunate fault in their hedging strategy so maybe the rules should be not price cap how about capitalize and fund supply businesses properly you can only have a supply license if you've got enough money to cover when prices move that would be a much better regulation from my point of view totally agree with you chris we'd love to say that this is something this is we're not we've seen the first time this is this is the first time it's happened but we know it's happening over and over again so yeah hopefully different strategies in the way forward would be better for everyone so now I'm going to go to September and actually some more positive news. Back to positive news. I like being positive. And that's about the, the pre-launch and the news to the market that the, we were going to have the fourth wave of SIDC. Now, I probably should explain what that is because it's it doesn't sound that exciting unless you go into the detail with it. So SIDC stands for Single Intraday Coupling. And this is where effectively we see all the TSOs within Europe um, combine into one intraday market, which allows you, for example, to be able to generate some power in Portugal and actually 
sell that power to someone who wants to buy power in Germany. Obviously, it doesn't physically flow all the way through from the other, but the idea of having one combined market should produce better prices for for consumers. The first wave of SIDC was in 2018, when we saw 15, 15 countries join. 2019, another seven. 2021, we had one. And in 2022, we saw... Um, Greece and Slovakia come into the market, which now means that the whole of um, Europe's effectively connected with the exception of um, Switzerland, Ireland and GB, the three countries who don't take part part in that market. But yeah, a really positive story about the whole of Europe combining and better value for money for consumers there. Which pushes me on to the final one that I'm going to do, which is for October which is about the fact we did actually see through October some good news about negative prices in the gas market in Europe. Now, October was a particularly strange month because, for a number of reasons, we had governments starting to realise that they had to stockpile their gas supplies, which then meant there was an increase in the gas price, encouraging people to ship their LNG to Europe from different parts of the globe. But we also saw some particularly mild weather. I remember being out in an October day without a jacket on, which is almost unheard of in Scotland. But if we, as we saw that, then we also saw basically an oversupply of gas into the market, where you had to the stage where you had LNG ports sit with um, ships waiting to dock because there was they, they just didn't have any way of getting their supply out. Now that was just a temporary thing, as power market often is with supply and demand. And once we started to see some colder weather in Asia, particularly in Japan, we saw these ships being redirected over to the over to that part of the world, which again saw the prices sort of rebound again in in Europe. So yeah, so we also on the electricity side as well, that, that warm weather did have a massive impact on prices. We saw um, wholesale prices had been around the six to seven hundred euros a megawatt hour. They dropped down to as low as 130 euros in Spain for part of that period. So yeah, just a temporary thing based on the weather. But it was interesting to see, especially when it was a, a time of talk in the press of um, an energy crisis. And it was difficult to explain to people why negative prices didn't mean that their bills were going to become any cheaper. So back to you, Chris, for November. Thank you. So November, good news again. I've decided to go with the story um, internal to us. We haven't put it on our press releases, but uh, we signed another big PowerDesk customer. And this is going to be a GB plus other countries customer, but a huge oil and gas major. Um, first word British, second one something to do with petrol. So I think everyone could guess who this customer is. Really pleased to work with, with such a great team and to have signed this customer on to the award winning PowerDesk and allow them to trade short-term power in the GB. So really, really pleased with that. Um, we're currently in delivery stage now, but that's a great end towards the year to get a customer like that on board. So great news and thanks to all the team, especially Matt and the sales team who really ran this one through. Yeah, super exciting. Great project to be part of. And um, great thanks as well to everybody for all the hard work we've put in. It's, um, I think everybody's worked really hard on this one. Perfect. Thank you, Murray. And as we go towards December, we're only recording this towards the start of December. So we've instead elected, instead to give, it's giving you an energy news story, instead to say um, very uh, happy Christmas from myself, Chris Regan at Brady and Murray. 
yes have a great um, festive period everyone and um, hopefully we'll be back with more exciting Brady pro- uh, Imbalance podcasts early in the new year perfect thank you Murray thank you to everyone and all of our listeners for supporting us and uh, thank you for everyone at the Brady team we wish you a very uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year we look forward to many interesting energy stories as we go through 2023